0: Jaguars Digital Jaguars Jaguars Digital Jaguars Drive Time Brian Sexton John Osher Ashlyn Sullivan Jaguars Drive Time starts right now
1: good morning a busy drive time out there on the highways as folks are dealing with fog and rain drive safe thanks for joining us here on a Tuesday morning from Everbank Field, it's time for Jags Drive Time on TuneIn Radio and across social media. Brian Sexton along with senior writer John Osher. And over the course of the next half hour, we've got a lot to talk about. Everything that went on here yesterday, the tarps being removed, concession prices changing, the future, as we always do in February, talk about that. Ashland Sullivan will be along with big things and, of course, Ozone Snapshot. But we'll start by welcoming in, along with John Osher, the president of the Jaguars, Mark Lamping. You have been a very popular man the last 24 hours.
2: <laughs> Well, it's easy to be popular these days when you work for the Jaguars.
1: It is. You have to have felt that everywhere you go. You do a lot of speaking engagements. Just people are always warmed at the Jaguars because they know what it means. But boy, this year it feels more connected. I think. You know, I
2: think we really probably felt it more at any time since I've been here uh, in the week leading up to the Patriots game. Yeah. I mean, I didn't realize that everyone across the country, unless you live in New England, you know, was rooting for the team that was playing the Jag, the uh, Patriots, and. And that week it happened to be us. So it was, uh, it, was, it was great to hear from people all across the country. Everybody was rooting us on. And uh, uh, it was, uh, you know, for, for a short time there, it was great to feel like America's team. Yeah,
3: And I assume you felt that in the community late in December leading up to the Buffalo game. I, you know, I've been around a long time. Uh, haven't felt that here in a long time.
2: Well, it's been long overdue for right. our fans for sure. I mean, our fans have supported us through uh thick and thin, you know, mostly thin in recent <laughs> yeah. years. And to uh to see the amount of attention that was uh directed towards Jacksonville, directed towards uh you know, our fan base, uh you know, particularly how things looked at Everbank Field for the uh, uh the game versus the Bills. Uh it was long overdue and, you know, I I've, I've said this many times before. Our fan base has been So unfairly maligned over the years. Um, And, you know, uh, it really had nothing to do with our fans. It had to do with the performance of the football team.
1: You know, and I think we saw that play out, just the passion that had been pent up in Pittsburgh, where, you know, that's a hard place to get a ticket. And there was teal everywhere. New England, I was stunned at how many fans Mm -hmm. made the trek up there. Again, in a place that usually is sold out. You saw teal all over Boston on uh, Saturday night and all over the stadium on Sunday. That's a really good thing for one of the smaller market franchises to have built that kind of a base. Well,
2: our fans consistently year in and year out have, have uh, you know overperformed, and you know there's no question that the excitement around the playoff run this year, not only in terms of those that just rooted from afar, but those who made the substantial commitment to make their way to Pittsburgh to make their way to, to Boston for the games. I know it uh, You know, it was very satisfying to Shad as he looked out in the stands and saw so many sure. Jags fans, and I'm sure it provided a, a lift for the players as well.
1: So the announcement yesterday that the Tarps are coming off, did you make that decision in December as things were building, as you were getting good crowds for those three home games, or did that come after the
2: Buffalo game? Tell us about that decision. Well, it's something that uh, we've been thinking about. Um, I know Shad's been thinking about since he purchased the team. Right. You know, it was one of the first things that, that uh, he focused on, which was, you know, we have this sort of visual that reminds everybody that we're not selling all the seats in the stadium. Now, you know, the reason for that is obvious. If you live down here, you know, the stadium's way too big that it needs to be for an NFL team, but it's the right size to f- host Florida-Georgia each and every year. So, you know, the focus has been to, um, uh, to get rid of all the tarps. Um, a big move was made when, um, you know, we remodeled the north end zone and, you know, we went from about 10,000 seats tarped down to about 3,500 this past year. And as we looked at it as the, as the season was was winding down, uh, the excitement for the last few regular season games, um, the feeling of what Everbank Field was like, uh, not only because it was a playoff game, but the fact that, you know, the NFL was very supportive and allowed us to remove the tarps for that game. Uh, and then, you know, the, the, the response in terms of fan interest uh, for season tickets for next year is at a really uh, high level, and we have a very strong home schedule next year. You know, featuring uh, you know both the uh, New England Patriots and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, so it was the combination of those things uh, that uh, that led us to, to 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 make the decision to get rid of all the tarps. And you know, we we really wanted to push hard to do this, um, you know, for the fans more than anybody else because it's it's the it's the Jaguar fans. That have to constantly put up with the criticism from outside the market that you know you're a terrible NFL market you have to tarp the seats you know all that type of stuff so um, it was a it was an easy decision to make uh, because it was clearly in the best interest of our fan base.
3: As you said yesterday a couple of times people nationally don't have time to learn the backstory and it's such a psychological
2: boost for the fans to see those tarps come off. There's no question about it you know we we uh, you know, we built the church for Easter Sunday here in Jacksonville. Easter Sunday is Florida versus Georgia, so you have to have the ability to accommodate 82,000 fans. Mm-hmm. That's that's way too big for an NFL uh, stadium in almost any market in this country, not just Jacksonville. Right. And then when you add, uh, you know, the size of the Jacksonville market to that, you know, the stadium is way too big. And it, it, it didn't take long for, you know, uh, 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 Wayne Weaver and previous ownership to understand that It's not sustainable. Assuming that you're going to draw 77, 78,000 year in and year out, you're not going to do it. There's very few markets in this country that could do that. And we're really left with no, no choice, but to, but to tarp the seats, um, uh, because you need to protect those seats for Florida, Georgia. Now, you know, we've, we've been very fortunate. The city has worked with us and shot has written, you know, big checks to remodel the stadium. So we've been able to get some of the capacity down just by, by remodeling the stadium, but, Ultimately, it's the fans' performance that will allow us to not have tarps next year. So, how do you balance
1: the average ticket price, which is obviously an issue for a team that hasn't really raised it much over the last ten years, and the volume of seats? Because you're adding all these seats in now, is that why you have to
2: raise ticket prices? No, that's it's it's sort of unrelated to that. What what we really have to do, and we've been talking about this, um, you know, for the past few years during our state of the franchise uh, review. Local revenue is really, really important to us. It's it, it's only by becoming competitive within the National Football League in terms of local revenue that we're going to be able to deliver to our fans the two things that they want most of all. The number one thing they want is a consistent football team year in and year out. And the second thing, fans don't verbalize it, but what they really want is to make sure we have a financially stable franchise. If you don't have a financially stable franchise, you deal with all the issues that you know, our fans haven't had to deal with since Shad bought the team, but prior to that, all the rumors about is the team going to leave Jacksonville and all that type of stuff. So we focus on, on 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 local revenue. The single largest contributor to our local revenue is ticket revenue. The only way that you can make progress in terms of local revenue is to boost your ticket revenue, and you do it two ways. You do it from volume in terms of the number of tickets, but you also have to do it in terms of average ticket price. And our average ticket price has been near the very bottom of the NFL uh, for a number of years. And from a financial standpoint, given the realities, the economic realities of this marketplace, that's not sustainable. So we've been working really hard to get our average ticket price up. We've been trying to do it in ways that, you know, every fan wouldn't necessarily feel it. We've been adding a lot of premium seating. That's boosted the average ticket price. Uh, But we've finally gotten to the point where, you know, we need to raise ticket prices pretty much across the board. It shouldn't come as a surprise. I've been saying it for years that when people ask me about ticket price, I said, well, wait till we have a good year, um, and we've had a good year. Yeah. So it's, it's something we've had to do. The good news is if you're a Jaguar fan, yes, the tickets are going to be more expensive. But if you take a step back and, and look at how the ticket pricing compares to the rest of the National Football League, we're still going to be in the bottom quartile of all uh, uh, NFL teams. And we've been investing and working really hard to make sure that the value that our fans receive for that – Uh, that that expenditure of their hard-earned money that they get good value in return and we think that there's a great relationship right now between pricing and value and ultimately our fans will be the judge of that we we don't take our fans for granted we we, we're sincerely thankful for our season ticket holders that have supported us in the past and you know we hope we can continue to earn their support in the future
3: now sitting over your shoulder right now mark you can't say it but it is a jaguar's helmet and everybody wants to know about the helmets next year. I'm assuming that you're not going to break news and tell us what the helmet is this year. But what are your impressions of it? Are you excited about the changes? And I guess just what can you say about it without giving it away? Well,
2: I can I can say this, that uh, there will be a new helmet design next year. You know, I think we've, we've said that. And there will be new uh, uniform design. Uh, I can tell you that the color palette is not changing. So the same colors that you know fans have uh, have uh, embraced over mm-hmm. the years you know those colors aren't going to change they'll right. be deployed perhaps to a little differently based on uh the the several uniform designs that'll that'll be unveiled in uh, early april um you, know, you have to turn the clock back a little bit when this first uh um uh, redesign was completed which which happened right pr- pretty pretty soon after Shad bought the team and you know Nike was forcing was really working hard to get a team that could embrace doing things differently to somewhat emulate what Nike's found so successful in NCAA football. And, you know, we were sort of the, the perfect uh, laboratory. Not a lot of people were paying attention to what we were doing anyway. Sure. You know, we were looking to, 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 to bring about change, and, uh, you know, we did that. And I think the, the, the prior uniforms were, were uh, very successful in terms of what they were designed to do, and, you know, hope our fans love the new
1: designs. The other thing that people are talking about today is Latte. And uh, what's coming out there, and uh, the shipyards? What can you update us uh, in terms of what the future holds there?
2: Well, the commitment is there, and it's probably more resolute than it's than it's ever been in terms of uh, doing something transformational for downtown Jacksonville. Um, we went through an exercise; it was a, it was you know a real long shot, but uh, trying to work with the city of Jacksonville to attract uh, the Amazon second headquarters here to uh, northeast Florida, and. Part of that process, we really came to the realization that if you're going to try to do something that's going to make a huge difference, that's really truly going to be transformational, you have to really take a much broader view than just looking at the property that's along the banks of the St. Johns River. And when we went through that exercise, we knew we had to focus on all of the property around the stadium that perhaps had potential for development, and that led us to the parking lots as well as some of the property uh, that's on uh, uh, the east side of, uh, of the stadium around the area called Commodores Point. And very quickly concluded that we should really look at broadening the the amount of property that that, that we want to uh, develop. And just like we did with the shipyards, when things started going a little slower with the shipyards, it, you know, Shad wants us to keep always keep moving. So what we did during that process was we had originally planned on the amphitheater and the indoor practice facility being across Bay Street, you know, on on what would be called the shipyards property. Sure. And, and because that was going slow as the city, rightfully so, was dealing with pension reform, uh, Shad challenged us to find another location for those two properties uh, uh, that we could move quickly on. And everybody knows what's happened. We built Daly's Place and we put, built a practice facility uh, connected to the stadium on uh, the north side of Bay Street. Uh, and it, by, by the way, it was a brilliant uh, decision. They're much better located where they are right now than where we had originally planned that they be. So as we look at, at the shipyards and we know that there's a big question mark in terms of what's going to happen with the elevated traffic lanes that currently go through that property, whether those lanes come down or not is going to have a big impact on the ambition of that development. If they come down, I think the the overall development will be significantly uh, greater uh, and at a different level than if they stay in place. We don't know when they're going to come down. Do you know um, if yet? I mean, are you well, pretty we, certain of that? Well, we we believe that 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 they will ultimately come down because it's as the city has expressed. It's really a city initiative, not so much a Jaguar's initiative. That they know that the development can be, um, you know, much more ambitious. It can be much greater. It can be more transformational if the lanes come down. But the problem is we won't know that until probably next summer. And now we're in the same situation. Shad wants us to get moving. And we know that we can get moving on Lot J before we can probably get moving on the shipyards. And as such, that's probably where, uh, you know, people will see the first signs of activity uh, as far as this uh, major redevelopment in downtown Jacksonville.
1: Final thought – Renewal time is now, and I think you've said you've had more deposits and the renewal rate is good. What's the other benchmark? Are you looking at new season tickets also, and what do you need to see there, and when do you need to see it?
2: Well, we're really focused on more than anything else right now is renewal rates. Really important, particularly renewal rates amongst um, what we call rookie season ticket holders, those that purchased season tickets last year for the first time. Right. Um, If we can get people to have tickets for one year, two years, three years, four years, the renewal uh, uh, process gets much easier. So we're really looking very closely at renewals right now. Uh, we're continuing to accept deposits on new season tickets, uh, but we need to go through the renewal process and the relocation process for existing season ticket holders before we can uh, begin uh, putting those new season ticket holders actually into seats. So it's, it's all renewals right now. Uh, we you know, we want to continue to add uh, people to the uh, deposit list. Uh, but you know this is a really, really important time you know as the next few months go uh, in many respects, is going to dictate how next year goes. And I
1: guess, as a side note, we have we felt the momentum in Jacksonville, and you've been building the momentum in London over there with your staff. Have you seen the side effects of the
2: playoffs in London? Has it been there continues to be more and more interest in the Jacksonville Jaguars uh, in London, and you know that's a, that's another thing that uh, we're so thankful that our that our fans can can view uh, our games in London for what they are. What they are is a mechanic to make us even stronger here in Jacksonville, and. And it's worked really well. Um, you know, the the process that uh, that Dave in, in, in particular and, and Tom and, and Doug have gone through over the last several years to build this team, uh, you know, it's really beginning to pay dividends. And at the same time, all the investments we've made in the stadium, in the fan experience, in the community itself, you know, I think things are coming together at the right time. And, you know, hopefully uh, this will uh, begin an era of, you know, really special uh, play on the field and off the field for the jacksonville jaguars yeah,
1: great time to be a jaguars fan great time to be around this franchise yep. thanks so much for your time we know you got a lot going
2: thank you guys I really Appreciate mark, it. thank
1: you you're welcome thank you very much that's mark lamping when we return in 60 short seconds big things with ashlyn sullivan after this
4: Jags fans, experience Everbank Field like never before. Visit jaguars.com slash tours and book a guided behind-the-scenes tour. Hear stories of great plays by Jaguars legends. Get up close and personal with the famous video boards and see why the travel channel named Everbank Field is one of the 15 bucket list destinations for any football fan. Discounts available for children, first responders, and military. Visit jaguars.com slash tours for tickets and details. See you at the bank.
0: What do you call a pack of Jaguars? A Jamboree. The Jacksonville Jaguars want to offer a big thank you to the five local companies who've made the Jaguars Jamboree a party that never stops. Everbank, Baptist Health, DreamFinders Homes, Publix, and U.S. Assure. Each of these partners provides unmatched support and dedication to the team year in and year out and help make game day special. Jaguars fans join the jamboree and support these companies and all the partners who support the team.
4: Welcome back to Jags Drive. Time here with you with big thing number one quarterbacks. They cost a lot of money lately. Jimmy Garoppolo just signed a brand new five-year, $137.5 million contract, making him the highest paid player in the NFL. So you look at those millions, guys, and you ask yourself, what is Blake Bortles worth if he's getting paid $137.5 million? I
1: saw that last week, and my first reaction is, wow. Quarterbacks, the value of the deal, the guaranteed money in the deal. The first year payout alone, Jimmy Garoppolo's nearly $40 million for a guy who's, started less than a half a season, mm-hmm. uh, $40 million in 2018 and all the guaranteed money, does the quarterback money, which is insane and it isn't going to slow down anytime soon, does that impact the Bortles' decision at all? Do you say, because, look, you got to be fiscally responsible as well as football conscious?
3: Well, it affects it in the sense that even if you think, and it obviously really affects it only if you re-sign him long term, but it affects it that even if you think, okay, perhaps Blake Bortles hasn't performed enough to be at that level. And, and the Garoppolo thing had something to do with they would have had trouble franchising him, or it was a risk for the 49ers to franchise him because then they wouldn't be able to do it again. Right. So they were really going to be in a rock and a hard place. if If he had decided, okay, you franchise me, now I want to hit free agency, it would have uh, relinquished some of their control over the situation. So they kind of got stuck in a situation where they had to do that. Well, it's
1: not like you have a whole lot of questions. Based on what they saw at the end of last True, year. So you're talking five
3: games. It's a little bit of a risk. A little. Because they, he hasn't gone through the league a second time. Yes, I think he's going to be really good. So regardless, when it comes back to Blake, even if you don't think he's a $25, $26, $27 million guy from a uh, – Gut feeling point of view. The bottom line is if, if he's a starter, if somebody else thinks he's a starter, if you think he's your guy, you're probably talking twenty, 20. You're talking a number that four or five years ago would have seemed insane, but everything's going up. So, yeah, it affects
1: it. Well, let's look at the other side of it, and, and Kirk Cousins' name is going to come up a lot the next six weeks. Uh, four weeks, actually. Four weeks from tomorrow is, uh, is when decision day is, essentially, mm-hmm. for any franchise that's thinking about quarterback. When you see the money that Garoppolo got, and you know what Cousins now commands as the only quarterback on the free agent market and a guy that you only need one, and there will right. be several suitors. So he's going to get a fat, rich deal. Do you look at your at your roster overall and say, eh, now we've gotten to a point where it's prohibitive for us to go do something like that?
3: Well, that'll be the million-dollar question. And it it If feels, you wanted to do that. It It feels like, okay, we're going to go after it the next two or three years, which makes sense. My thing on the franchise quarterback is if you're going to do that, if you're going to pay the $27, $28 million range, is he a guy that is going to enable you to lose a guy or two, lose a piece of depth or two, perhaps have a slightly weaker offensive line, a slightly weaker defense? Not atrocious either of those spots, but slightly weaker does he get you there by himself? Is he Aaron Rodgers? Is he uh, is he Breeze? Is he Manning? Or is he a complimentary player who's making you better along with everybody else? If you think he's B, then it's very scary to pay him. If you think he's over-the-top guy, and if you think that you can start having the rest of the franchise dip just a little bit, think uh, Russell Wilson in Seattle. Well, you're going to have to let some guys go. Right. Think Russell Wilson in Seattle. At first, when he first started playing, I don't think he was carry the franchise guy. Yeah. Over time, he has developed where now, if you're Seattle, you feel more comfortable. Okay, we're not going to be as strong other places because we're paying him, but he can carry us. If you're going to pay that guy franchise-altering money, he better be able to carry you. I don't know if Kirk Cousins is that. No.
1: But if... If you believe he is, then yes. Well, the reason that I ask you the question is: is the Drew Brees situation is very interesting. See, so you look he's at the, a different beast. Well, but look, at, look at at the situation that the Saints find themselves in today. Today, they have twenty five million dollars in cap room, but he's not on their cap, right? So, in order to get him, it's going to cost more than twenty five million dollars for Drew Brees. It just is. So, they're immediately just signing him, let alone their rookie class or any free agents that they want to keep they're immediately going to be over the cap. But if they say, well, we can't really go forward with Drew Brees, we've got to let him go, well, then he's got an $18 million cap hit. And again, now you're talking about letting some guys go because you can't renegotiate and push that money out if he's not on the roster. It's an $18 million hit this year. Keep in mind, he's not technically on their cap right now except for dead money. So it's it's a major issue for them because they've got to think about The next three years, if they're chasing a title. But what do the five years after that become? Because we saw it here in 2002. Mm -hmm. It wasn't just about clearing the cap space. It was what you had on your roster. They were playing with guys Sunday in and Sunday out here in the early part of the last decade where we're like, it's apples to oranges. They didn't belong on the field with some of these players. And it made them uncompetitive. you got to be really careful that you don't structure your cap in such a way that you're making decisions only for the next two or three years instead of the next seven or eight years, especially with the defense that you've got. And that's why the next few weeks are crucial with this decision.
3: Critical. Um, And I really don't have it. I think the Jaguars will get involved in the Kirk Cousins stuff enough to. Where's the threshold? on, On the 12th and 13th, which is the negotiating period leading to free agency, they'll be involved enough to find out if they want to stay involved. Yeah. But I don't know where the end game is on that. And I'm not sure we'll know until that time what's going to happen. I don't think we'll have a real feel for it because I think
1: it'll be an exploratory process that happens on those days and plays out in real time. All right, we'll take another break. When we return, a quick Ozone snapshot with Ashlyn Sullivan here. Jags drive time on a rainy Tuesday morning.
0: You call a pack of Jaguars. A Jamboree! The Jacksonville Jaguars want to offer a big thank you to the five local companies who've made the Jaguars Jamboree a party that never stops Everbank, Baptist Health, Dreamfinders Homes, Publix, and US Assure. Each of these partners provides unmatched support and dedication to the team year in and year out and help make game day special. Jaguars fans, join the Jamboree and support these companies and all the partners who support the team.
4: Jags fans, experience Everbank Field like never before. Visit jaguars.com slash tours and book a guided behind-the-scenes tour. Hear stories of great plays by Jaguars legends. Get up close and personal with the famous video boards and see why the travel channel named Everbank Field is one of the 15 bucket list destinations for any football fan. Discounts available for children, first responders, and military. Visit jaguars.com slash tours for tickets and details. See you at the bank. (laughs) Happy to be back with us on Jag's Drive Time this morning, here with you with two Ozone snapshots. The first one, John, I'm real curious where you're going with this. Brian from Yuli. Oh, man, before you delete this question and call me crazy, hear me out. Now that Johnny Manziel has announced his bipolar disorder, would there be any harm in inviting him to OTAs or training camp? Maybe with the structure and discipline the Jaguars have now, it could be a good thing for him. (laughs) (laughs) Enough said. All right, there's your answer. Okay.
1: What else you got for us?
4: Okay. I didn't expect to be that short. Oh, no, it's pretty simple. Dylan, Tulsa, Oklahoma. Mr. O, what do you think of the chances of signing either Kirk Cousins or another free agent, or letting Blake Bortles get more year, one more year and drafting a quarterback early as insurance?
3: Well, all kidding aside, now that I'm concussed, um, <laughs> it, uh, I think if you don't go after free agent quarterback, which a uh, free agent quarterback I think is Kirk Cousins or nothing, if you don't do that and you bring Blake Bortles back, um, assuming he's on the one-year deal, then I would be surprised. I'm getting to the point where I would be surprised if there's not a quarterback taken in the first three rounds, uh, just because it feels like you're going to be down far enough in the draft to make that make sense. You wonder if there's not a Derek Carr scenario. And I always throw his name out there oh, yeah. early second round, a guy who a lot of people liked enough things about to make it conceivable that he'd be a starter. I think, Generally speaking, if you go fifth or sixth in your developmental quarterback guy, your odds go way, way down of that ever really mattering. It happens, but it's rare. So I think in the first couple of rounds, I think if, if Blake is back as the guy, then I think it's very conceivable that you would take a quarterback of that stock,
1: of that ability, early. And I'm wondering if you uh, feel the same the way. The only thing I can add is, is what I said last week, and I think that is you're making the decision now whether you're going through this window, which is open. With this defense and the running game, um, you're either going to go through it with Blake or you're not and I, I just I guess you could do the one year deal, and then next year you're in that position where you're trying to figure it out again right, right. I just don't think they want to do that i't you're not going to draft you're not going to draft a guy to go through this window, I don't think with you right I mean m- m- maybe I'm too short term, but I think they want to maximize where they are today, and I don't see that they're going to take a guy in the first round unless I just don't see it. I I, I can see it only because of the Henny
3: situation. I don't know that Chad is back at the money that he's been making. So at, at, at some point to strengthen that room and have a young backup as opposed to veteran backup... Oh, no, I totally get you. That could be the situation. But I'm anxious to see it play out because yeah. I don't know that we have a very good blueprint for this, and it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how it does.
1: Sure, and I don't think... Just to, to carry it one step further, we saw what Kirk Cousins was able to do in Washington and get the franchise tag and the franchise tag. Mm-hmm. And they never really committed to him, and now then they had to trade and move on. I think the Jags would like to have their situation at quarterback a little bit more stable than it was in Washington. The last yeah, I would think that years. would happen by the end of next season, not yeah. necessarily
3: before. All right. Well,
1: that'll do it for Jags Drive Time on a Tuesday morning. Thanks to John Osier and Ashland Sullivan. And of course, Jaguars President Mark Lamping for joining us. We have another month to talk quarterback and go through every scenario. So stay tuned. We may have a completely different opinion next week. Maybe not. That'll do it for Jags Drive Time. Have a great day, everybody.